Do you like roller coasters? Not me. <laughs> I never have liked them. But one time as a kid, my grandparents thought that they were going to teach me to love a roller coaster ride at Old Coney Island in Cincinnati. As good or bad as that experience may have been for me at the time, it pales in comparison to the roller coaster ride that the disciples were on during that first Easter, that first Holy Week with Jesus. That's what this episode is all about. This is Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff. And I'm your host, Greg McCollum. I'm going to tell you a story. A story that will inspire you and help you move closer to God through the small stuff in your life. A story to give you a glimpse of God that will surprise you with its simplicity and amaze you with this message. I am not a fan of roller coasters. Some people love, love, love roller coasters, but I just never really liked them at all. Actually, as a kid, I was terrified of them. I don't know what it was that made me run the other way. The speed, the feeling of being out of control, the crazy ups and downs and wild twists and turns, or the belief that I could possibly fly out of my seat at any moment. My life would have been perfectly happy if I had never ridden a single roller coaster. But my grandfather and grandmother had other ideas about that and took matters into their own hands. They pulled a fast one on me one summer at Old Coney Island in Cincinnati back when Coney Island was the greatest amusement park anywhere. (laughs) We drove to Cincinnati from West Virginia for a day full of fun and games. All the way over during the four-hour drive, my grandparents tried to convince me to ride the roller coaster. No way, I told them. Then, in a stroke of genius on their part, they told me that Coney had not won but two roller coasters. They called them the big one and the little one. I now know that the big one was the racer, and the little one might as well have been a figment of my imagination. Here's why. In a weak moment of complete trust in my grandparents, I made a deal with them. I would ride the little one first, and if I survived it, Although impossible for me to believe at the time, if I liked it, then I would ride the big one too. Well, eventually we arrived at the park, bought our tickets, stood in line at that little roller coaster, sat down and buckled in, and we started moving up the first hill, up 
and up and up. It seemed like there was a lot of up for that first hill for the little roller coaster. Well, when we got to the very top, my grandmother suddenly broke the news to me. We were not on the little one after all. They had tricked me. They were actually on the big one, and it was too late for me to do anything about it, except scream bloody murder and bawl my eyes out and feel like I was going to die and close my eyes and hold on for dear life and wish I had never come to Coney in the first place and swear that I would never ride a roller coaster of any size ever again, no matter what. Not to mention all of those trust issues, which I still have to deal with to this very day. Looking back on it now, though, I understand what my grandparents were trying to do. They were trying to show me that a roller coaster ride was nothing to be afraid of. They wanted me to know that in the end, we would come back home safe and sound, and all would be well. They wanted me to learn something I could know in no other way, and they wanted me to be better for the experience. But they also had taught me something else. They taught me that a roller coaster can be a lot like life. I think Jesus' disciples learned the same thing, not by riding a roller coaster at an amusement park, of course, but by living the roller coaster of that first Easter with Jesus. Their coaster ride started up that first hill on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered Jerusalem. They reached the top when they arrived at the city gates with a huge throng of people waving palm branches and placing them at Jesus' feet, screaming, Hosanna! every step of the way. He has the crowd eating out of his hand, the disciples must have thought. Nothing can stop him now. Surely Jesus was only a few days away from ridding their home of those unclean Romans, and he would soon ascend to the throne of his eternal kingdom, and they would rule with him. But the coaster suddenly took an unexpected turn and started downhill quickly when, just a few days later, Jesus began talking about dying, about betrayal and denial by his most beloved disciples, and about a cup of suffering. Impossible, they thought. Little did they know that the coaster had not hit bottom yet. That came on Friday. On Friday, Jesus was arrested, beaten, flogged, and humiliated. He was tortured and hurt by a crown of thorns, by awful mocking words, and by hot, wet spit that hit him in the face. By the time he was nailed to the cross, his hands and feet split by the cold, hard iron of the wood of crucifixion, the roller coaster could go down no farther. How time must have stood still for them as Jesus was laid in the tomb on Friday, and how the hours must have dragged by on Saturday as they hid and huddled in dark rooms, so full of grief and anguish and wondering how they could have been so wrong about Jesus. Like my roller coaster ride, they probably wanted to scream bloody murder and bawl and felt like they were going to die at any moment. 
They closed their eyes and held on for dear life and wished that they had never come to Jerusalem in the first place and swore they would never come back there ever again, no matter what. Then the roller coaster took another new twist and started to go up again, unexpectedly, amazingly. It went up when some of the women who had gone to the tomb early on Sunday morning came back with a wild story about an empty tomb. The coaster kept climbing as Peter and John rushed to the tomb themselves and found the stone rolled away. It was still heading up when two of the disciples' friends came back from Emmaus, so excited because Jesus had actually walked with them on the road and explained everything that had happened and how it was all done exactly as planned from the beginning of time. The roller coaster topped the very highest hill of all when Jesus himself actually appeared to them in person and greeted them with his unmistakable salutation, which they had heard him say so many times, Shalom, peace be with you. Think about their joy at that moment. I've tried. I can't even conceive of how they must have felt at that very moment. It defies description. It defies understanding. From that point on, for the rest of their lives, they could look back at everything that had happened and remember what they had learned from that first Easter roller coaster ride. They learned that even when the roller coaster of life seems to be so scary and heading downhill at breakneck pace, there is really nothing to be afraid of as long as Jesus is sitting beside you. They learned in the end that they would end up back home safe and sound and all would be well. And they learned something they could know in no other way. They were better off because the roller coaster ride they had been on with Jesus that Easter did not stop at the cross, but in heaven. As a believer today, you can ride the same roller coaster the disciples rode, the one that has Jesus seated beside you. He is right there with you through every twist and turn in life and on every hill, whether you're at the top or at the bottom, going up or going down. The empty tomb of Easter is your promise of a safe trip home with him, no matter what. This concludes today's episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff. Did you know when Jesus was preaching and teaching, he never used words like justification, sanctification, glorification. He never used words like those to describe himself, God, God's word, salvation, heaven, or eternity. Instead, when Jesus talked about theological concepts, he talked about the small stuff of life. We call them parables today. He did that because his listeners could understand the small stuff. They were living the small stuff every day. It was through the small stuff that Jesus helped people move closer to God. There are going to be no intimidating, scary, or overwhelming theological words as part of this podcast. You'll just encounter things like cups of coffee, home repair, signs on the side of the road, roller coasters, and french fries, 
all revealing something unique about God who meets you in real life ways every day. Thank you.